Hello, awesome wanam. This is Pacific Waves. I'm Waratwila Epitela. Coming up, Pacific leaders are in Dubai wanting to hold big polluters to account over their lack of climate action. Also, we certainly need more personnel and more capacity to monitor that activity. Pacific tuna fishery countries and territories to meet in Rarotonga. And later. Yeah, we are feeling good. The last race. We have some waves, eh? it's a good race and the feeling with the guys are very pretty good. French Polynesia dominates the Open Va'a Men and Women's 1500 metre finals. Pacific leaders are in Dubai wanting to hold big polluters to account over their lack of climate action. But New Year's Minister for Natural Resources, Mona Ainu, says it's very difficult to hold perpetrators of climate chaos accountable year after year with distraction after distraction. Lydia Lewis has the story. Mona Ainu'u calls on Pacific leaders to stand united. These perpetrators of climate chaos, that I call them, it's very difficult to hold them accountable. We continue to travel thousands and thousands of miles because our people are suffering. Our people continue to find innovative ways to survive on this earth. Ms Ainu'u says there's been little to no movement on the loss and damage front since last year. This year, one of the main Pacific priorities is operationalising the Loss and Damage Fund. The incoming Pacific Islands Forum Chair and Tonga Prime Minister Huakawa Meiliko Seosi Sovaleni says Pacific leaders continue to call on donors and dialogue partners to simplify the process for funding. And hopefully they, they can address some of our concerns about readily accessing financial assistance to some of our Pacific countries. Because as we, we have discussed before, people are talking about the negative impact of climate change we are already experiencing. So we need some kind of facility that we can easily provide that crisis mode support. A delegate from Palau agrees. Xavier Matsutaro says there's a lot to put into action. Let's just put it this way. There's a lot to prove on COP28. And every subsequent COP becomes more and more urgent because it, it narrows down that window that we need to do to ramp up emission reduction. And that's one of the things at the heart of, of this meeting. And one of the things that will spell out the level of success. Mr Matsutaro says this meeting will also be about taking stock of the commitments against the Paris Agreement. The trajectory at the moment, we're looking at a three degree Celsius increase. So we're really fighting hard to not breach that 1.5. Palau's president is also in Dubai. His priority is getting Pacific leaders to sign on the dotted line of his Blue Pacific Prosperity Pledge. He's also advocating for a global deep-sea mining moratorium. We believe that uh, you should use science and data to make informed decisions about whatever you're doing, whether it's Fukushima releasing Alps water or deep-sea mining. We feel that there's not enough data out there yet, so we've continued to ask for a moratorium on deep-sea mining. We understand that the Cook Islands is trying to have a a centre to do studies, but I think we, we need independent research and a little bit more robust to make sure that we protect our ecosystems and and don't destroy the beautiful nature that we have. We know that there's valuable resources down there that also can benefit the planet. So what we want is, if we're going to do it, let's do it the right way. 
The joint bid to host a future COP with Australia is also a priority for Pacific states, but some have concerns. Nuez Premier wants Australia to step up its climate commitments first. If they want to host a COP, surely they'll have to lead by example, right? And one of those is to lessen the use of fossil fuel. Of course they'll have to, for being a good host. They have to seriously consider those and lessen the use and move into a renewable transition. Eh? We've got to be realistic about the whole thing. I mean, the best call that we can ever do now is that lessen the use of fossil fuel. In a statement, Fiji's Prime Minister Sitiveni Ramboka says his focus will be on mitigating the adverse effects of climate change, prioritising addressing climate change's impact on oceans. A Pacific youth delegate who's also there wants to remind the leaders the high-level discussions at the meetings affect everyday people in the Pacific. Pacific Islands Forum youth delegate Metoya Lohia says Pacific people have a sacred connection to their land. There's a lot that media and the West world don't really understand about the real problems and the real challenges that are faced by our communities and people on the ground. Because at the end of the day, although these are very high-level discussions, they ultimately affect real people with real lives. She says while it's good to see a lot of young faces in Dubai, more youth representation is needed. Mona Ainu'u, who is one of the eight Pacific Islands Forum political climate champions, says greater women's representation at high-level meetings like COP is also needed. I call on our governments as well to develop that further. We haven't really moved that far. For me, as a woman and as a mother, I wholeheartedly believe that the Pacific can be one of the leading areas in in the world to develop more on women empowerment, women leadership. Because at the moment, there are gaping holes at the climate champion table. I'm sad to say that I went to the high-level climate change in Fiji with the leaders, with prime ministers and high-level senior ministers, I saw no female, no woman at the table. And that breaks my heart because, you know, I'm so passionate about the women and and girls and all that we do. But really, we need to be at the table, decision-making table, to ensure that we're moving further than where we are now. Palau's president, Surangil Whips Jr., says U.S. President Joe Biden is a noticeable absence from this year's meeting. This is an important cop. The United States is the world's largest emitter and has been for years. It needs to show leadership. And of course, uh, not having Biden here definitely weakens or gives us concern about our hope for the future. But there's Australia, there's uh, China, there's India, there's the EU. I mean, everybody's got to step it up. Youth delegate Matoya Lohia says if she was given the opportunity to speak to President Biden, she would tell him this. This is all talk, not really much action being done there. This call to move to a just transition and the the other call to action, the actions that we're being asked to move into, a lot of this would require a lot of capacity building and finance from the West, like real assistance to help our developing nations. And her message to youth in the Pacific. This is our time to rise up, raise your voices, whatever innovative ideas that you may have, the wisdom that you can bring to the table. As young people, we have very 
fresh minds, a fresh perspective on the world. I think we have a lot to contribute. So I just encourage each of us to use those capacities. A call to rise up before the temperature does. Pacific leaders are meeting in Rarotonga next week to discuss fishing rules in the world's largest tuna fishery. 26 member countries and participating territories of the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission, which is also called the Tuna Commission, are custodians to the multi-billion dollar Pacific tuna fishery. Caleb Fotheringham has more. The Forum Fisheries Agency, or FFA, wants more oversight on transshipment. It's when a boat offloads fish into another ship without coming into port. It generally means there's less oversight and is thought to foster illegal fishing behaviour. FFA Director-General Manu Matuvai Tupo Rosen says electronic monitoring could be a solution if fishing vessels insist they cannot come into port. If it continues to be at sea, we certainly need to have those cameras on vessels. We certainly need more personnel and more capacity to monitor that activity so that we can collect and verify the data that comes from the vessels. 100% of Persane fishing boats have observers on board, whose job it is to monitor fishing activity, but longliners only have 5%. Glenn Holmes from Pew Charitable Trusts says cameras on board could plug the gaps where there are no observers. Some of the longline vessels, the conditions aren't great. Some of them are just the vessels aren't big enough to accommodate another person on board. That is a logistical challenge, and it's in that space particularly that electronic monitoring comes into its own. Meanwhile, parties to the Nauru Agreement, or PNA, have put in a proposal to address the imbalance in the way fisheries monitoring data is used to inform the Tuna Commission's compliance process. They're asking for the number of reports that come in from observers of Persane boats to be at the same level as longliners. The PNA says it wants to see greater surveillance with the longliners and other vessels on the high seas, significantly lifting the number of observers on the ships. Mr Holmes says the longline sector should be improving its standard of monitoring. That should always be the end goal, bring it up to parity, not bring the Persane sector down to an equivalent longline. PNA CEO Sanga Clark said in an email the new rules will make the monitoring process more fair. An independent review panel in 2018 found there to be a higher level issue of fairness and equivalence in the WCPFC compliance process, and that is the CMS, the Convention on Migratory Species, focus on the Persane fishery, much of which is already well monitored within EEZs, as compared with the lesser scrutiny accorded longline and long-distance pole and line fleets operating solely on the high seas within the convention area. As well as monitoring being discussed at the meeting, Manu Matuvai Tupo Rosen says the Forum Fisheries Agency is seeking a binding measure to ensure crew welfare. A non-binding resolution on labour standards is already in place. What we want to safeguard against is any of that type of behaviour on vessels where crew feel they're in a position where they're not free or treated in a manner where you'd expect any worker to be treated. The tropical tuna measure that guides fishing controls for big eye, skipjack and yellowfin tuna is also to be reviewed at the meeting. The current measure expires at the end of this year. The FA, as part of the review, wants to restrict per sane effort on the high seas, equivalent to what it was in 2012. Our members have always approached any review of the measure quite cautiously and looking for minimal changes.
And the reason I say that is because of the fine line in managing that delicate balance between any of the provisions within that measure. Pew's Glenn Holmes says the CMM, the Conservation and Management Measure, which dictates how the compliance regime works, also expires this year. If they don't come to an agreement, there will be no compliance regime. So really that should become a permanent measure that that is up for a periodic review rather than it just expires and then they have to renegotiate with the threat of having nothing. And ideally it should also be disconnected from the tropical tuna negotiations because unfortunately the way of international negotiations, one point of debate is held to ransom over another point of debate. The meeting starts on Monday in Rarotonga. You're listening here to Pacific Waves. In the VAA competition at the Pacific Games in Solomon Islands, French Polynesia has dominated the Open VAA men's and women's 1500 metre finals. Wallace and Fatuna, Fiji, the Cook Islands, Samoa and Solomon Islands were the other participating countries and territories that made it to the final. Kuroi Hawkins reports from the capital Honiara. Ocean conditions were difficult at DC Park in Guadalcanal on Wednesday, with undercurrents and a stiff offshore breeze making tight turns hazardous for the Ba'a. Samoa's team manager Colin McCarthy says the conditions resulted in several upsets coming through the heats. It's been a real struggle. We've had boats uh, flipping, uh, actually turning over on just on this race here with uh, Samoa and the semis, the Palau team. They flipped out themselves as well, so uh, yeah, as soon as that happens, you're pretty much out. In the men's final, Tahiti powered to their gold medal victory, looking unfazed by the water conditions with a time of 8 minutes and 7 seconds. In second place were Wallace and Futuna, who finished with a time of just over 8 minutes and 15, followed by Fiji with a time of 8.29. Team Tahiti's Tena Tauhere says success through the heats and semis really built up their confidence for the final. Yeah, we are feeling good. The last race, we had some waves. Eh? It's a good race and the feeling with the guys are very pretty good. We have to practice the surf during the one way and against the wind. Just keep a loud, loud practice. In the women's final, the defending champions, Tahiti, had to hold off a determined Fiji in the final stretch to secure the gold medal with a time of 9 minutes and 52 seconds. Tahiti VAR coach Felipe Bernardino says he's pleased his young squad stepped up to defend the title. Yeah, good, because the, the new team is the young ladies on the team. is not bringing the champion this year because they have a worker. And the new team, young, and I'm happy. The Fiji women got a silver with a time of 10 minutes and 3 seconds, and they had by far the best team welcome waiting for them on the beach. Fiji Bar captain Eleanor Bartete says they had really struggled with the water conditions throughout the day, and she was just grateful they came so close to gold. You know, we got off to a rough start in the beginning, in the hits, then to semis, and then to, you know, come out with a silver medal in the finals. Man, you know, all glory and praise goes out to the men above, eh? And to everyone who has supported us, eh? Thank you so much. Um, and, yeah, I'm just like, heart is just full of gratitude right now, eh? For the women that have stood beside us throughout this journey. And those women who didn't make it to the team but still supported us. Man, this medal is for you all, eh? 
The Cook Islands women took out bronze with a time of 10 minutes and 9 seconds, although they were pretty much guaranteed it after Samoa were disqualified for an infringement. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen, head back over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeart Radio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, look at you.